Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Kimberly Malusis. Kimberly is a CPA tech specialist turned natural health entrepreneur and abundance coach. In her coaching work, she focuses on empowering people to create abundance in their mind, body, and finances, and she recently launched her course for that very purpose. Kimberly is also a homeschooling mom and loves swimming, hiking, scuba diving, and gardening. Want to know the exact steps to travel in order to go from victim to victor? While everyone has their unique path, my next guest, Kimberly, is going to show you how she did it step by step. You're going to want to take some notes on her healing journey process. So go ahead, grab a pen and piece of paper and join us for an inspiring conversation. Here's Kimberly. Okay, everybody. So I'm here with Kimberly Malusis. And you know, so often we play the role of victim and not intentionally, but we've had some hard experience coming our way or hard experiences. Well, Kimberly is going to share with us how to go from victim to victor, and she's going to be sharing her story and so much more. So welcome, Kimberly. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thanks so much, Debbie. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming. So I know you have a story and it's so interesting because I purposely didn't want to know too much about it because <laughs> I love when it's just fresh for the listeners and, and they could hear it themselves because I know uh, typically, and I've seen this, when you're doing something so magnificent, it doesn't just happen. It happens almost out of need because we've been through something, you know, hard that gave us the incentive, the motivation to do something differently. So can you share your story? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's always a op uh, wonderful opportunity to be able to share the other side of me. You know, most people, when they meet me, you know, I'm a, I'm at the head of my organization. I have, you know, very, a lot of success in business and they see that part of me, but to only see that part of me is to see wrongly. And so any opportunity to share the full story, I believe is hope uh, for other people to understand that you can get anywhere from anywhere. And so, you know, my background is, uh, very common in the sense that I came from a single parent home, but when I was born, it wasn't that common because I'm now 50. And so way back when it wasn't very common to have a single parent home. Um, my mom had five kids in total. So she was always kind of on the lower end of the money scale, very, very poor. Um, we lived in kind of the rough part of Toronto, downtown uh, in Canada, and my dad was involved in any number of illicit and illegal activities. So he was a bootlegger when alcohol was you know, prohibited. He was a drug dealer and he was a pimp. And so you know, out of that very colored background, you can imagine it created a lot of instability as a child. And he was actually my hero for you know, a lot of my childhood because I lived with my mom. She wasn't very fun. <laughs> she was the one that had to work hard. She was the one that had to provide for us. So she was kind of grumpy and not very fun. But my dad was always fun, you know. Um, but Did you I, know that this is what he was doing at, at a young age? I, well, I did in in one sense, and I didn't because you know when you're when you're young, my my mom would always kind of say negative things about him, and I was kind of like, oh well, you're just you're just being negative, you know, and I I was told by him that he had a dating service. <laughs> so wow, so, okay, you know, it's about as much as I could understand when I'm like you know seven, eight. Is that oh he's got a dating service? That's why there's women around all the time, you know. Um, so I didn't I didn't understand it. Um, at the time. So I kind of knew, kind of didn't know. And as I got older, I knew, but I pretended I didn't, you know, so it became kind of awkward. 
but he really was my hero uh, for most of my childhood in the sense that he was the fun one. He was the one that had the money. He would take me out to nice places, but my mom was not fun. And she married, uh, not married, she moved in with a fellow when I was 10 who then became sexually abusive. Uh, so she was an alcoholic physically abusive, verbally abusive, and he was sexually abusive. So I have the whole gamut of it there in, in my household. A lot of poverty mindset, a lot of you know, lack, a lot of never enough. And, um, and I had this weird dichotomy because when I was with my mom and, and her boyfriend, there was the lack, the not enough, and the, you know, just the sense of poverty. And then I'm with my dad, and of course there's, there's an abundance and there's money, but as I got older, I started realizing, well, that came from a very bad place. So, well, then money must be bad, right? Because if he has money and he's illegal, you know, that must be bad. And that's an interesting interpretation. And it makes total sense from where you came from. Your, your siblings, what did they make of it? All of my siblings, I don't, I didn't know too well growing up because there is seven years between me and the second youngest. And he moved out uh, when I was still relatively young, uh, he was put into a group home for troubled kids. Um, my sister above that moved out to live with a guy. The sister above that moved out to live with a guy. So they all left home really, really early. Mm. And I didn't really have much of a connection with them. So um, we never had a chance to converse about how did they perceive this because they weren't really around. Right, right. Okay. So you really didn't know. So then your your mom got out of that marriage and then now is with this boyfriend and you were the only one in the house with them or was the other? For most of the years. Yeah. So for the years of, of what I call the years of my abuse. So from the age of 10 to the age of 15, when I was put into a foster home, I was um, mostly the only one at home. You know, my, my siblings would come for a period of time when they didn't have a place to live temporarily, but none of them wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them liked him. None of them liked uh, being with my mom very much. So it was just kind of an in and out thing. Right, right. So then, so now this is, you know, you can imagine here you are, you're young, you, you, it's your dad. So you want to look at him a certain way, but you're learning things that are upsetting. Then now there's this new man in your mom's life. And what did, what did you make of that? I mean, how did you interpret it? Because things can be going on around us, but we're so, um, what so easily happens is we make a certain assumption. We, we make it mean something about us. So what did you make it mean about you? I kind of, um, you know, was always from a victim mindset a little bit when I was younger. Um, was Because I was the youngest, I was always treated kind of like a baby, so to speak, for, by my siblings. I was the one, you know, oh, poor Kimberly, poor Kimberly, you know. And so when um, the abuse was happening, uh, I was told by, you know, the, the man that, that, you know, that I was kind of, I, I, it was good for me, you know, like it, I, I was deserving it of somehow and I should be grateful, you know, like, so like it was very twisted, very weird. And because I had more of a victim mindset, I didn't ever think that there was any, anything else that I could expect. It kind of was just normal. In fact, it wasn't until I was 15, like I mentioned that when I was 15, I got put into a foster home. It was at that time, actually, uh, what happened is I had a boyfriend who's actually now my husband, interestingly enough, Um, but it was a boyfriend and I wasn't supposed to have people over, but he came and we were picking something up from my house when my, my mom and her boyfriend weren't there and he happened to be in the apartment 
when they came home and I was panicking because I wasn't allowed to have people there. So I stuck them behind my bedroom door. And that's when, um, you know, my mom's boyfriend came into my room and did something that he did regularly. And, uh, you know, I pushed him off and whatever. And after that, my, my boyfriend at the time said to me, what did he just do what I think he just did? And, and I said, yeah, it happens all the time. It's just normal. And he said, no, that's not normal. And it was actually him that got me to talk to a guidance counselor who got the police involved, who then took me out of that home. But if it hadn't have been for that interaction, I would have just expected it as normal. Wow. That's like divine intervention. It really right was. There. Sure. <laughs> now, where was, did your mom, where was she with this? Did she know? Did she definitely would have known because when things were happening, I would yell, you know, I would, you know, push, push him away. So I knew that she knew. Um, and then once, you know, came to light and we went through the court case at the end of the court case, when he was found guilty, I was thinking finally now, you know, she'll see that this was a real thing, but she walked up to me and she just said, I hope you're happy. You liar. And, uh, and then that was the end of that. So um, clearly she never really came to a recogni recognition that he was at fault or she just, you know, cleared it from her mind. I'm not sure how she reconciled that yeah. in her mind, but that's, that's the receiving end I got. Yeah. So, so now that's pretty traumatic and a lot of people could just take that with them for life. And that's just, you know, the, the betrayal really mm -hmm. of, of an expectation of what, you know, your mom, maybe what you were expecting of your mom and what she should have done or could have done or whatever. How did you reconcile with that? What did you, what did you do? Because you seem like you've, you really dealt with this. <laughs> it's, it's a journey, right? So I think initially what happened is um, I just, I, I, so I went into that relationship with my boyfriend um, and I had a lot of expectations of him. I wanted him to be my hero, you know, because he's the one that kind of got me out of the home. And so you can imagine that bringing that into a marriage was not very healthy. So for the first part of our marriage, it was very dysfunctional. He was looking to me to meet his needs. I was looking to him to be my hero. And neither of us were getting really what we wanted. And so so we, we had a lot of marital issues at the beginning. And um, it wasn't really until our marriage was for all intents and purposes over because of various betrayals that happened, you know, both on my side and his side during the, uh, the marriage. It wasn't until it was pretty much over that uh, we, we both sought out healing. We and had, how long of a process was that from the time you were, because it was really young since you were together, until yeah. the time that you said it was over? We were married for, let's see, my, my son would have been um, probably, I want to say, uh, it's, it's just so, I think 16. Mm -hmm. So my eldest would have been 16. I got, I got pregnant right away. Um, and so we're probably talking about 24 years mm -hmm. between when he kind of rescued me from my home to mm -hmm. when our marriage finally was over. It was a long period of time. Yeah. But I met him so young. Um, yeah. But it was friends of ours who really believed in our marriage, even when we didn't, uh, that then said, listen, you, you need, you need healing. You need to deal with this. And that, that that's what really put us on our healing journey. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Well, a whole lot of stuff, <laughs> a whole lot of crying, a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of recognizing that we really 
had made some really stinky decisions. And so I think the greatest thing that happened to me over the next many years, because I would love to say it happened instantly, but it didn't. I think it's still a process. You know, it's in, in progress right now. But I say that the biggest thing was, number one, I learned to forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and number two, I learned to take responsibility. You know, and those are those are so powerful. And I want to stop you right there because anybody listening to this podcast hears all the time. I talk about the breakdown before the breakthrough and how death and rebirth and sometimes the best thing that was needed in a relationship is the complete and utter destruction of what you had in order to birth something new. And you know, people are so afraid of that and they try to just keep patching things up. And sometimes it's just so much better to just level it. Like, you know, let the tornado level the house (laughs) and rebuild the whole thing. So you talked about taking responsibility and forgiveness. How did you, what was your process to do both of those things? Yeah. So I think part of the process was recognizing that I was not a victim, that things happened to me, but that didn't define anything about who I was. It didn't define anything about what I was capable of. That the things that happened to me happened because we live in a broken, fallen world, right? There there are people that do crappy things all the time, and I've done crappy things to other people. But none of that meant anything in terms of who I was or what I was capable of doing. And when I was able to you know, differentiate between what had happened and who I was, Mm -hmm. that's where I was able to then say, okay, um, I'm now the one that's in the driver's seat. I'm now the one who is in control of what do I do with what's happened to me? Do I let that define my future and then continue to relive the pain in the future? Or do I make a break? Do I say that what that person did was wrong? I can acknowledge that it was wrong but I release them from a debt. And I think honestly that this is the biggest hang up people have with forgiveness is that they, they think that when they're forgiving somebody that they're somehow letting them off the hook, mm-hmm. they're letting somebody off the hook, but it's themselves. And that's, that's the biggest so thing true. to recognize. Cause you're not saying that what they did is okay. In fact, anytime that um, I hear anybody around me, instead of saying, you know, I forgive you. If they say, Oh, that's Okay. I I speak up and I say, no, it's not okay. What that person just did was not good. Don't say it's okay. It's not okay. Because if you say it's okay, you can never truly forgive. You have to say, what you did was wrong. I acknowledge that, but I release you from the debt that you owe me. Because by me waiting for you to somehow pay back this debt, I'm actually just putting myself on the hook and I'm actually just ruining the rest of my life. I'm so glad that you're saying that because it's so true. And, and then of course we make ourselves sick and it affects everything else. And then think about it. We can go years, decades, a lifetime. That person may not even know, remember, or even care that they did that. And here we are paying the price for those actions. So I love that distinction where it's not sort of blowing it off because we just want to keep the peace. It's really acknowledging it. And, and I mean, everybody in my community knows I say, face it, feel it, heal it. And that's really <laughs> acknowledging what you're saying is you're, you're calling them out on what they did so that you can heal. And yeah. so everything could be out in the open. And, and that's not easy to do though. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, but the alternative is much more difficult. And I think that that's maybe sometimes what we lose sight of. 
Yeah. So then with forgiveness, because I think people expect it to be this one big, I know I did, this one big grand ta-da moment. <laughs> and it doesn't quite work like that. How, how, you know, if I found it's more in layers and stages and, and like layers of an onion kind of thing. How did you find it? And how did you, how did you notice a difference as um, you were going through the process? One of the things that I, I did from the beginning is I, I didn't wait until I felt like forgiving, I recognize that forgiveness was a choice because if you wait till you feel a certain way about, well, that that's maybe never going to happen, right? Forgiveness is a choice that you make despite how you're feeling. So I was feeling like still very hurt, still very betrayed, still very angry, but I chose to forgive. And for my mom, I actually wrote her a letter. And in that letter, I both forgave her and asked her for forgiveness because, you know, let's face it, I wasn't the perfect child and teenager either. So I felt like that was an important process in her case. But I, I went through the stage of making a choice to forgive. And the second part of that, which I think is really important, is to break off judgments. And this is something that sometimes people don't do. What do I mean by this? Well, it's easy to say, you know, um, so-and-so did this because they're uh, whatever. Like you make judgments about where someone's coming from, about who they are, you know, but those judgments actually don't serve you because, you know, you, you reap what you sow when you judge. And so I felt like it was important for me both to forgive and to release um, my mom's boyfriend and my mom from their, my judgments of them. Like I, I had con con uh, conceived of them a certain way. I had painted a picture in my mind of who they were and why they did certain things. And I recognized that I had to let that go because at the end of the day, I don't know their story. I don't know where they're coming from. And that was an important part of my process as well. And then the third part of it was to actually get healing. And I feel like this is something that people miss as well, because imagine that someone punched you and broke your arm. You can forgive that person you can release that person from your judgments, but you still have a broken arm and you need to heal that. And so I had to go through the process of healing what had been broken um, in my heart. And, you know, I, I, because I come from a Christian background, I believe that God restores, you know, it says he restores the years that the locusts have eaten. And, and so I just asked God to restore everything that had been stolen from me. And did you, so, so your healing process, how did, what, walk us through it. Like how long did it take and how did you feel as you were going through it from the, from when you first decided to, uh -huh. to go through the healing to the time you were done? Like, because I, you know, I, I would love for everybody to just, see, you know, get experience what that healing feels like. What it looks like. Yeah. I, I will say it's not done. Mm -hmm. Because I think that it's something that this, this side of heaven, it's probably never going to be done. And in fact, one of the things that I love to use as an example is the movie, A Beautiful Mind. And do you remember, I don't know if you remember that movie, but you know, he obviously dealt with some mental issues and he saw people that weren't there and he would engage with them and it led him into all kinds of bad places. And at the end of the movie, you see that he's achieved a level of healing and a level of stability, but he still sees the people. Mm -hmm. He just chooses not to engage. And I feel like that's a really great picture of our journey is that over time, those things will still be there, but they're just not going to affect us the same way. And I feel like it's important to understand that so that people don't feel like they're not, you know, they're not able to do things because they haven't arrived. You're not going to arrive, but you're on a journey and that's a good thing. 
So for me, I would, I would summarize the healing journey in four um, modes, so to speak. And I went through this in many, many iterations and continue to go through it in many iterations. And the first one is the forgiveness process. And like I said, we, we found it was helpful to both work through forgiveness, releasing of judgments. Um, and then, you know, I feel like it's even important to go back and, and break off family things that have been handed down. So I had to forgive my mom because my mom was clearly making bad decisions about men in her life and, and she might've passed some stuff down to me. So dealing with family stuff, I think is important too. The second aspect after forgiveness is what I would call um, disempowering beliefs. So when a situation happens to us, whether it's a um, abuse situation or whether it's just a one-off situation, we form a belief out of that situation. And sometimes that belief does not serve us. And so if the belief is I'm a victim, people will always take advantage of me. We have to look at that belief. We have to write it down. We have to say, I see this. And we have to break agreement with that belief. And, and so I feel like I just actually did a talk for my team about this yesterday where I said you, you need to make a list of these beliefs that you have. You need to see them, the, the beliefs, and you need to break agreement because every day that you put your feet on the floor, you have a choice about what, uh, what are you going to empower? Are you going to empower darkness or are you going to empower light? And, the, and the, what you empower is going to come with what you make agreements with. If you make agreements with lies, then you're empowering darkness over your life. So you need to make agreements that are in accordance with the truth to empower light. And it's so important you're saying this because our mind wants to prove us right. So if we have a belief that everything is bad, negative, you know, or whatever, we have, we're coming from this place of scarcity and lack, then our minds will just find proof confirming Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. I call that the belief expectation cycle. Mm-hmm. And, and that can work for, for negative, but the good news is it can also work for good. So if you wake up in the morning and you say, I'm an overcomer, I can do all things, you know, I am blessed, I am highly favored, you know, you start declaring that over yourself, you're going to confirm that belief. And that's powerful. And it's so true because think about it. It's like, and this is something I'm, I'm again, I'm glad you brought this up too, because we're such, so many of us are such great manifestors with the negative. So that just means we've confirmed the negative so many times that we've made it real. So if we're that great at the negative, well, what would happen if we just changed to something more positive? Beautiful. What's the third one? The third thing is to work through what I call the soul spirit hurts. And this this can be a little bit more difficult to grab hold of um, because for this, you really need to have more of a spiritual understanding. Um, oh, you're, you're speaking to the right audience. Okay, we're, good. we're with you. Go ahead. <laughs> so I believe that we can go back into hurtful, uh, difficult situations and we can re almost relive them. And in my case, I, I invite God into that and I say okay where were you you know where were you when this was happening and I I I see a response to that Um, and I have a chance to kind of relive that situation and make a different um, a different kind of pattern to come out of that it's almost like you go like if you can time travel back in time when you were a little child and talk to yourself what would you have said Mm -hmm. and you really can do that emotionally, psychologically, psycho-spiritually, you can do that, right? And so 
I, I remember going through business counseling one time and uh, the, the business coach that I had identified an issue in my life. And she said, Kimberly, you know, that comes from the womb and you can't heal that. So you're just going to have to find ways of coping with it. And I'm like, mm, I don't like that answer. <laughs> yeah, that just didn't feel right at all. I didn't feel right at all. I felt, you know what? I'm meant to walk in wholeness and healing. And I believe that if I'm the same person now as I was in the room, then I can totally heal that. And so I, I worked with a counselor. And sure enough, we actually healed this major thing that happened to me while I was in the womb because my mother, my mother tried to abort me. And so that created a real deep spirit of rejection. And um, that's something that, you know, it's hard in my type of business. Let's just say rejection is not a great thing to be manifesting. So (laughs) um, it was really important to work through that. So I believe we can go back in time and work through those, what I call soul spirit hurts. Um, I ask God to guide me through that memory, to see things differently, to express how I felt in the moment. I feel like it's important to acknowledge how I felt in the moment, uh, but then to create a different belief out of that moment. You know, it's like you're rewriting the script. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Beautiful. And I, and I would say don't do that alone. Definitely want to do that with someone you trust, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is just to... Was that the, that was, was that the second one? That was the third one. So first one is forgiveness. Second one is the disempowering beliefs. The third one is the hurts. Mm -hmm. And then um, the fourth one is a little bit more difficult to explain. (laughs) But um, I believe that sometimes we can can make place for the wrong kind of spiritual influence in our life, like like the darkness, Mm -hmm. and we just need to drive out the darkness, right? So anytime that there's been a place in our life because of hurt that we allowed darkness to kind of take hold. We need to drive out the darkness and replace it with light. And so um, that that's the fourth stage. And, and we just really take, we have authority over our lives. We have authority on this earth. And even what's happening in the world right now, I just wish that people would understand their authority to actually bring light to this world. Um, because if we could empower the right things, our world would look a lot differently. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Kimberly, what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? I want everybody to know that there's hope. I feel like if I can come through my story and now in my 50th year, I feel like I am living with more physical, emotional, mental abundance, spiritual abundance than at any other time in my life. And I didn't get in, you know, something handed down to me easily. If I can do this, it's because I applied certain principles. And these principles, if I can apply them, anybody can. So I want them to feel hopeful. I want them to recognize that no matter what's been handed out to them, it doesn't dictate their future, that they can create their future, that they are the masters of their destiny. And so I want to just speak the word of hope and healing and light to them. Well, you absolutely did. And you know, it's so interesting because I speak to a lot of people and I meet with a lot of people and it seems like the ones who are making such a difference on this planet have been through the the biggest challenges. And maybe it's, you know, it gives us that perspective. It gives us the incentive, whatever it is, but we, but if we do the work to come out of it, we come out of it with so much strength, so much, so much love, so much insight and so much wisdom. And you absolutely did that for us today. So where can we learn more about you? I just love your story. Where can we learn more about you and what you do? Oh, thank you. So I, uh, I have a course that I wrote that I would love for your listeners to take advantage of if it's a, b- a benefit to them. So they can find me at K I M M dot me 
slash LMA, which stands for Life More Abundantly. And so if they want to take advantage of that, they can use uh, the coupon code Debbie, D-E-B-I, mm -hmm. and they can get 20% off of that course. And I would just love them if that's a journey that's going to support them. I'm going to warn them ahead of time. It's, it's not light. It's not just, you know, 10 weeks and then you're done and everything is, you know, full of abundance in your life. It's really a journey for a lifetime. But these principles are absolutely essential and I know that they'll benefit from it. Oh, I love that. I think that's so great. And don't worry, everybody, we're going to have all the information in the show notes. Kimberly, I want to thank you so much. I know that there are so many people listening that maybe the, maybe their story isn't exactly like yours, but they've been through a lot. And then seeing what you've done with it. First of all, you know, you mentioned that you're 50, you look like you're 30. I'm, I'm looking at her, everybody. She looks like she's 30. And she's created this magnificent career and just done some incredible work. And now she's just trying to do her uh, do her part to heal the planet. So um, we're, we will absolutely have all of your information in the show notes. I just want to thank you for your, for your time and for what you contributed today. I know they'll get so much out of it. And thank you, Debbie, because you've made a platform for people to heal and that is such a gift. Thank you for that. Kimberly shared so many wise nuggets with us like differentiating between what happened and who I am, meaning just because something happened to you, it doesn't define you how forgiveness releases the person from a debt, and how we truly have authority over our lives. Stay in touch with Kimberly by going to kimm.me forward slash LMA and use the promo code Debbie for a discount. And we'll have everything you need in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway, the four-step healing journey. Number one, the forgiveness process. Remember, this looks different for everyone. Number two, changing the disempowering beliefs. Number three is dealing with the soul spirit hurts, which means rewriting the script. And number four, replace the darkness with light. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a great plan to me. Of course, your story could be leaving you with some symptoms that need some cleaning up. So take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see what may be lingering in the wake of your betrayal at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz and I am so excited to share the PBT Institute membership community with you. Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best, community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you can schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming and supportive place to become your best all online. I am so excited to welcome you. Just go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.